Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Here, you'll find practical, relevant, biblical information. The Bible will be broken down verse by verse so that you get the full context of the scripture to better grow in your relationship with Jesus. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. It is great to have you with us. And for those of you who are joining us for the very first time, let me just take a moment to say, welcome. Now, you know, many of us are familiar with the old song, you know, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You know, it's it's that easy little ditty, you know, that, that's so easy to memorize because it just repeats over and over and over. And it's just that, that catchy tune, right? You know, this is, this is a song that's usually, you know, these days sung by kids choirs and youth groups, you know, and that's, that's when it's still pulled out. You know, it's not as prevalent as it used to be. Now, you know... It, it was written back in 1925, so it's been around almost a century, right? We're coming up just shy of a century with this song, and, and of course, there's a there's a few alternate versions to show for it, you know, over that time. You know, people like to add things or change things and that sort of stuff, so we've all heard various versions of that song, right? And But it doesn't take away from what the topic is, and the topic of that song is joy, And joy is exactly what we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks as we go through the book of Philippians. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to find joy. Everyone looks forward to that, right? It's an ongoing quest. And unfortunately, all too many people fail to accomplish it. Why? Why do so many people fail at this, right? Well, it's because they look at the wrong places. We And we've all been there. We've all looked in those wrong places, right? You, me, all of us. You know, people, they go out and they, they, they look at relationships with certain people thinking that, that that's going to fulfill them or drugs or alcohol, uh, sports, video games, food, sex, and on and on. All this stuff, you know? Um, going out and just buying stuff, you know, cars, etc. You know, and when things go wrong, though, or they fail to turn out the way that we want them to, what happens? We complain. We get very selfish and start the oh, woe is me routine. People look everywhere but Jesus. Now, sure, you know, they might take a glimpse but joy is, isn't found in just a glimpse. It's not found in just simply reading a book or listening to someone preach. It is found in having an actual relationship with him. When we complain because of traffic delays or those unexpected expenses that arise, you know, we, we just, we raise can. We, we make a big stink, a big fuss out of it, right? It becomes this big deal. But when we look at the the book of Philippians, we need to remember when Paul wrote this, he was in jail. He was jailed. And even though, you know, a matter of fact, not only was he in jail, but he didn't know if he was going to live and be freed or if he was going to die or what was going to happen. And even though he was imprisoned, he was still able to smile. He still had that joy within him because he knew that Jesus was there with him. Jesus is the key to joy. Paul knew this. 
which is why even though he was imprisoned at that time, he was still able to find satisfaction in where he was, what he was doing, and was able to continue to encourage others to do the same. Just like Paul and Silas, who were beaten and imprisoned you know, uh, together in Acts 16. And what, what happened? What did, what did Paul and Silas do while they were in jail? They continued to sing hymns and introduce others to Jesus. Now, with that said, of course, we need to have a little bit more background, don't we? So, the Church of Philippi was started by Paul and his companions during a missionary trip which we can learn more about there in Acts 16, right? Um, Paul wrote this uh, around 61 AD. Um, Like I said, this is while he was in a Roman prison. And he was writing it uh, basically, you know, to say thanks uh, and to be encouraging for a gift he'd received from the Philippians. And not only that, but he wanted to be able to encourage and strengthen fellow believers to find joy in Christ. Now, the book of Philippians, you know, as my wife likes to joke, Filipinos, right? Um, The book of Philippians is broken down into four chapters. And each chapter covers different types or different places where joy comes from. The first one, which we're going to look at today, discusses joy and suffering. In chapter 2, joy comes in serving. In chapter 3, believing. In chapter 4, in giving. Now, I know some of you are probably out there thinking right now, joy and suffering? Really? What kind of sick? Yes. As believers in Christ, there is an indescribable joy that can be found in Christ. All right. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, the Bible puts it like this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This comes not only from having a relationship with Jesus, but relying on him to get you through the struggles that you're going to face in life. People look outward for joy and they never find it. However, if they were to take a moment and look inward to the Holy Spirit that's within them, they would find it. And in most cases, pretty quickly. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The Bible says, again, that's Philippians chapter 1. We're starting right at the beginning, uh, verses 1 through 11. The Bible says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
it is right for me to feel uh, this way about all of you, since I have had you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. All right, so much like the, the, the book of Ephesians here, we're st- we start off with Paul's standard greeting of peace and love. Um, nothing really new in, in that respect, you know. However, it's still important because it's a reminder to the reader of God's daily presence with them. You know, something that we should all be grateful for, especially in the uncaring world that we live in. You know, this is a gift uh, we need to be, you know, we need to ensure that, you know, we don't, we don't take for granted, all right? When, when Jesus was crucified, our salvation was paid for, um, you know, at that point, and God continues to work in us and to transform us throughout our life, uh, meaning that this is something that is ongoing, you know, um, for, from the time that we come to, to him and start our relationship with him until the day that he calls us to stand before him. You know, it's it's a it's a that that reminder for us um, that on those days that we when we feel less than than good, when we feel like failures, when we're discouraged, frustrated, when we just feel worthless, you know, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves all of us, and He's still working on you. Your journey is not done yet. You know, Paul. He's also sharing his love for them. You know, as, as fellow b- believers. You know, as Christians. You know, it doesn't matter that he's locked up. It wouldn't matter that, you know, if he's free. You know, his love for them is unhindered and he's grateful for them. You know, the fact of the matter is he calls out, you know, that, you know, even just thinking about them, you know, it puts it on his heart. So he prays for them. You know, when God puts something on your heart, there's a reason for it. and It's something that you need to talk to him about. So continuing on. Philippians chapter one. Now we're going to go into, we're going to start breaking it down a little bit more now. All right. So Philippians one verses 12 through 14, the Bible says, now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has come clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, Most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. All right. So a lot to unwrap here. Uh, the right here, you know, at the beginning where he, where he says, you know, brothers and sisters, the, the, the Greek word that's actually used here is Adelphoi, um, which refers to both brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, and and this is the same word that he uses going throughout the book of uh, Philippians to indicate everyone in Christ is included. It's not just the men, you know, it's not discluding anybody. It's everybody, men and women. All right. Now, um, with that said, you know, Paul, he was in prison for sharing the gospel. You know, he, he was on uh, a mission. He was fulfilling his part to answer the great commission. And, and as, a Roman citizen, you know, when, when he was arrested 
and jailed, he, he had the right to appeal to Caesar. So he was exercising that right. You know, his preaching at that time, it was considered a, a minor charge, right? It wasn't a, a big thing. It, it was fairly small, right? Uh, for us, it'd be like a misdemeanor, right? Um, so while he, while he was jailed uh, in, in Rome, you know, well, I should say when he appealed, he was taken um, from where he was and he was marched to Rome, you know, with the, with the, with the Roman soldiers and guard, right? So he, so he was transferred to Rome. And that's where he was imprisoned. And while he was in prison there, um, the fact was he he still had uh, certain rights, and he was you know he was allowed to exercise them while he was awaiting his appeal. You know, like I said, he he was a Roman citizen. Now here's something to think of: missions back then, you know, spreading the gospel. It, it was not like today. Let's look at today. All right, today missionaries they go out usually, you know, with a technology or they have technology available to them that helps them to keep in touch with people at home and updates and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and periodically, uh, they'll come back to their home areas and they'll visit, you know, the various churches um, that have been supporting them and, and share updates with them so that they know what's going on and what work still needs to be done and all that kind of stuff, right? You know, um, a lot a lot of churches these days. You know, they have that that little uh, that that missionary day or that that guest visit or whatever they, they want to label it as. But you know, where the missionaries come in and talk about what's going on. You know, they usually have pictures and videos and all that kind of stuff. However, back then, back you know, back in Paul's day, it was a different story, right? And the, the gospel was still fairly new. It's still going out to the world, and when people left to go on these missions to go out to different areas. Normally what was happening was they were usually giving their, their final goodbyes to friends and family um, before they left our foreign lands, because the next time that they would see them would be, you know, when they're, when we're all reunited in heaven, you know, and Paul knew this, Paul knew this, you know, going on, you know, going on a mission, it, it was, it was a life changing event. You were leaving anything and everything behind to go out and, and serve the Lord. So, Paul, like again, Paul knew this. Plus, he was aware of the peril that he was facing himself. You know, he was already in a life or death situation. However, in addition to that, he was calling out that the mission of sharing the gospel was so important that he himself was willing to pay the price, regardless of however high it may be. You know, up to and including his life. So. With that in mind, it's important that we pray for the various missions that are out there around the world and the outreaches that are going on, you know, because these are, you know, these missions and these outreaches, you know, these are our Christian brothers and sisters that are going out into the world to reach those who, you know, they might be new to the gospel or, you know, they they might just be, you know, neglected people, you know, think of it, you know, orphans. Uh, prisoners, homeless people, you know, those are just a few examples. There's a ton of them out there, all right? So it's definitely something that we need to keep in mind um, in our prayers. You know, there there are a lot of people out there um, serving in the world, and many of them going into areas or going to talk to people that very well may want to kill them. You know, it wasn't that long ago there was a, a pastor out in uh, Arizona. I, I want to say it was the Phoenix area. Um, but anyway... Um, he was out. He was uh, he was street preaching. 
he was on the street and he was preaching and he got shot just for that. So don't think, you know, hey, you have to be halfway around the world or anything. It could be right there in your hometown, um, you know, where these things happen. Things happen all the time. You know, even out here uh, where I'm at, you know, churches get vandalized and all sorts of stuff happens. So definitely, you know, keep these things in your in, in mind when you're when you're praying. Um, there is a lot lot out there that needs to be prayed about. So anyway, continuing on off the rabbit trail, um, Philippians uh, one again. Uh, the, now we're going to look at verses fifteen through eighteen. So Philippians one fifteen through eighteen, the Bible says, "It is true that some preach of uh, Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter." Do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. We'll actually stop here for a moment because the rest of this this verse actually runs into verse 19, which we'll be taking a look at momentarily. Now, you know, just seeing this, this this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing to me because here we, here we have Paul, he's in jail, and he even knows that there's people out there that are already, you know, tarnishing uh, the image of the church, right? They're out there preaching for all the wrong reasons, you know, and, and this is something that we still see today, right? You know, uh, those people are out there trying to make a name for themselves or, you know, all that, you know, or, you know, looking for uh, power or money or whatever, you know. Um, but, you know, right here, Paul, he's not excusing them. You know, he's not condoning what they do and, and neither does God. God doesn't give an excuse. You know, they'll have to answer for their sins just like the rest of us. Um, however... God can still use them and the message that they're preaching to reach others. Believe it or not, absolutely. Romans 8 verse 28, the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So we know he can use Everything to his glory. You know, we talked about that a lot, especially last year. You know, the important thing here, which, which is where Paul's found joy, is the fact that the gospel is still being preached, right? So regardless of the, the intent um, that is behind it, the fact that the word is getting out there and people are coming to know Christ, that is a glorious thing. Because, of course, you know, once they come to know Christ, they start asking questions, they start looking into it, they start growing in the relationship, they start seeing the deceivers and the good, the bad, and all that stuff out there, right? You know, and so with that said, let's go back to Paul. Paul, he could, he, you know, he's in a situation where he could easily be depressed, sad, angry, complaining, all the above, you know, um, about where he's at, where, where his station in life is currently taking him. And let's face it, jail is not a pleasant place. If any of us were in jail, joy is the last thing that we'd think that we'd be looking for. You know, instead we'd be upset about our situation and you know all that stuff that goes with it. Paul flipped the script, though. See, he saw his imprisonment 
as a gift from God, right? It was God sent. And, you know, and not only that, it was a gift to help spread the gospel. You see, he had more time to write. He had more time to preach because he was no longer traveling. Not only that, he was in Rome, the heart of the Roman Empire, right? So this is a big place to be. Not only that, the fact that he was a Roman citizen who was jailed, that was sure to bring attention in and of itself. The the, the different guards working their shifts, uh, you know, that, 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 was, that even brought more people in for him to evangelize to and to talk to, right? So there was a whole lot going on there that was, re- you know, regardless of how we would be looking at it ourselves, was actually really good. There was no selfishness involved here. It was just like, okay, cool. I'm here. I've got someone else to talk to. I'm still allowed to preach. Let's do this, right? The fact is, sometimes in life, we find ourselves in places that just plain suck, right? They're miserable. Sometimes it feels like we're never going to escape. Matter of fact, sometimes it feels like we're in a prison, even if we're not in a prison. But don't for a second think that God can't use you where you're at. The fact of the matter is, it's actually the opposite. Not only can he use you there, He has placed you there so he can. You just have to open yourself up to what he is asking of you. Again, this is where prayer comes in, right? Instead of asking, why you? You should find joy in the fact of, why not you? Don't think for a moment you can't do what's being asked of you, because you can. So many great people in the Bible have had that same mentality. You know, why me? Instead of why not? uh, Moses, Jonah, Gideon, and others, they were all in these positions, yet they still rose to the occasion because God would not let them fail. They, like you, were placed exactly where they needed to be. God's not done with you yet. You know how I know this? Very easy. Take your hand, place it over your heart. Just do it. Put put your hand over your heart. Take a few seconds. You feel that thump, 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 thump? You feel that? You feel that heartbeat? That heartbeat means you are alive, which means God is not done with you down here. It's that simple. You still matter. You still have a mission. So let's get back onto onto our reading here. Finishing off verse 18 and then moving forward. So Philippians 1, we're going to look at verses 18 through 26. The Bible says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ 
and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be, uh, excuse me, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Joy. Joy and continued prayer. Prayer is important, and he knows it. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 11, the Bible tells us, As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in prayer to the prayers of many. So don't think for a moment that taking a moment to speak to God, especially on someone else's behalf, is useless. God hears all, and he responds. The enemy is going to attack anyone who follows Jesus. However, prayer, especially when we use it, as we should, because we should be talking to God daily, prayer is the greatest tool we have to defeat the enemy in those attacks. You know, here Paul, he didn't know if he was going to be freed or if he was going to be executed. As far as he knew, it could have gone either way. Either way. However, regardless of which way it went, it was still going to be a blessing. If he was freed, he'd be able to continue to spread the God. The, the, excuse me, a little tongue tied there. If he was freed, he'd be able to continue um, to go out and to spread the good news, right? To, to share the gospel. Uh, if he was executed, on the other hand, you know, as he says, gain, he'd be with Jesus, right? So for for him, looking at it with this perspective, which we should. It was a win-win scenario. You know, he he showed his true colors. He showed what was the most important thing to him. You know, and this is an example for all of us to follow, you know, because he stood up. He stood for Jesus. And he was loud and he was proud. It's like, hey, either way, you know, hey, it's all about Jesus. Point the way to Jesus. Now, on a side note, a little bit of a spoiler here, right? Uh, He was freed a couple years later, all right? Now, Paul, he had a purpose in serving the church and serving others, and he knew that. He knew that there was purpose here. And that's a question a lot of us have. You know, what's my purpose? See, we need to remember, we don't just live for ourselves. Even in the garden, God said it wasn't, was, excuse me. Uh, I hit my mute button there, trying not to blot your ears with my cough there. Um, going all the way back to the garden, um, God said it wasn't good for man to be alone, right? We're, we're social creatures, which is why when we're helping others, when we're serving others, when we're working with others, the tendency is that we stop focusing on ourselves as much, right? We start focusing on other people and what we're doing, and that takes the precedence, as it should. So the if you're wondering where your purpose is, right there. That's a good place to pray and talk to talk to the Lord about right there. 
because our purpose is in others. Let's look at the last few verses now. Uh, Philippians 1, verses 27 through 30. The Bible says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that uh, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Now, looking looking at these verses, you know they, they serve a purpose of encouragement. Right? It's like, hey, guess what? You know, Jesus Jesus saves. And, you know, people, you know, uh, those who don't believe, you know, they're going to be destroyed. You know, so it, it is. It's encouraging because it's remind we're going to have those tough times. Life is going to be hard. Just like Paul's was here and so many others, just like Jesus, right? As a matter of fact, Jesus even warned us that life was going to be tough. However, it gets a little easier when, one, we remember that Jesus is with us and working that relationship with him. And two, the weight of our mission actually gets a little bit lighter when we come together and work together as the church. When we, when we come together as the church and do our part to help one another, encourage one another, and further the work of the church, it, it becomes a little bit easier. See, in suffering for him... We, we, there's a privilege there. We find a privilege there. I know this doesn't sound exciting, right? And after all, what's exciting about suffering? Nobody wants to suffer. However, it's in these moments that we find our faith is at its strongest because we're looking to Jesus for help. We're looking to Jesus for comfort. It's in these moments that we're not focusing on the earthly realm and all of its temporary creature comforts. It's these moments that strengthens our relationship with him. And it's in these moments that through Christ, we're able to set an example for others to see as well. And after all, keep in mind, friends, family, you know, all the people that you come across in the world in your day-to-day life, they're always watching. So we shouldn't, you know, with that said, we shouldn't go out looking to suffer. Absolutely not. However, when it comes, and we should be aware that it will come, right? It'll come and go. When it does come, we should see it for the blessings that it possesses. And if, if we were comfortable all the time, we would become complacent. We'd be happy looking at all those things of the world, and trying to find our happiness there. Complacency, however, is a foothold for the enemy in our lives. Complacency kills. Complacency leads us to sin. Sin kills. Complacency kills. Meanwhile, 
Suffering, on the other hand, suffering is temporary. And it serves the purpose of keeping us alert and helping to hyper-focus us on Jesus, right? To help us look to Jesus. That's our time for this week, guys. Remember, you are loved and you are a blessing. Now go and be the church. Thank you all for joining us here today at Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Please like, subscribe, and share our podcast on any platform it is that you tune into us on. If you do have any questions, any prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at bethelightsanctuary.org or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. Uh, you can also find how to contact us there, whether it's direct message or email. We look forward to hearing from you all. God bless.